0: have you here uh, this morning. We're looking at a new series for the new year, but it's continuing what we've been studying at the end of 2016. We looked at the Psalms of Ascent, and we would have had that finished at the end of the year, but uh, we had snow, and so our class was canceled. And uh, these last two Psalms of Ascent are so good. And As I looked at them, it's really interesting. Because, as you know, the Psalms of Ascent are a journey. Uh, They were songs sung, 15 songs sung, as the people of Israel three times a year would journey from wherever they were. They would journey to Jerusalem to worship with God's people, in God's presence, in God's place. So when you get to these final two songs, it's like they're getting to the end of their journey which is really like the beginning of a new year. And so these next uh, couple weeks are going to be a series on begin with the end in mind. And so let's uh, turn your Bibles to Psalm 133, Psalm 133 and 134. We'll look at Psalm 133 this Sunday, and then in two weeks we'll look at Psalm 134. Next week... Uh, Emmanuel is going to be teaching for us, so you'll want to come and hear him teaching next week. Now, the thing I want you to see about these two Psalms, so if you're, I hope you have your Bibles and you have them open to Psalm 133 and 134. First thing I want you to see, and this is in your notes, together, Psalms 133 and 134 reveal the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal of our journey to joy. It's very interesting, I think, that these last two Psalms of Ascent that are sung on this journey, this journey to worship with God's people, they both begin with the word, Behold. Okay, you ever been on a long trip? and you're headed somewhere, and you're looking for that destination, and you see it on the horizon. Uh, For us, whenever we drive to Colorado, and and whenever we see the first rocky mountains in the horizon, my wife says, oh look, there's the mountains. Why? Because that's our destination that we can't see. And so, in both of these verses, they begin, look at Psalm 133.1, Behold... The unity of God's people gathered to worship. You can imagine them coming on the horizon and and coming into the temple at Jerusalem. And there's God's people gathered from all over Israel. And they're like, look at that! Isn't that a sight to see? This is what we've come for. Then, you look at the last Psalm of Ascent, 134.1, and it says, Behold! The majesty of God's presence, glorified in worship. Because here's the deal. Their journey to Jerusalem wasn't for tourism, it was for worship. It wasn't just to see the other people of God. It was ultimately to see the God of the people. It was to see God's majesty, God's presence. So, the goal of our journey to joy, both for the Old Testament saints, but for us, is God's presence with God's people in God's place. Listen, that's the ultimate goal of our whole Christian life, is one day, look, we're going to be gathered with all of God's people from all over the world. Look, we're going to be gathered in the presence of God's glory. And so the question becomes this, do you believe these promises? Is this what you believe? Are you preparing for it? Are you proclaiming it? Is this something you you tell other people about? Hey, I'm on a journey, and my destination is to be with God's people, in God's place, in God's presence. And are you participating? The fact that you're here this morning is a testament, or at least should be a testimony that, hey, one day my life is going to end gathered with God's people, In God's place, in God's presence. And of course, if you look at the book of Revelation, Revelation 5, Revelation 7, it gives you a preview of that. It gives you a picture of what it's going to be. So, these two psalms together reveal that ultimate goal. But, the end of these two psalms, even though they're short, they're both only three verses... Both Psalms 133 and 134 reveal how our journey to joy will end in eternity. I just think it's amazing that you have these two songs at the end, and they both begin telling you, hey, this is the goal, and they both end telling you how our journey to joy is going to end. Look at Psalm 133, the last verse we're going to see today. For there, meaning on the mountains of Zion... The Lord commanded the blessing, life forever. Hey, our Christian life is going to end in Israel. Maybe you're never going to take a trip to Israel in this life. Maybe you'll never uh, have a a trip to Israel and walk where Jesus walked. But you know what? One day we're all going to be there, and we're not going to just walk where he walked. We're going to walk with him. Amen? This is where we're headed, for there... The mountains of Zion, there in Jerusalem, the Lord commanded the blessing. And what's the blessing? Life forever. But look how Psalm 134, verse 3 ends. May the Lord bless you from Zion, He who made heaven and earth. So you go all the way from Genesis, the Creator, all the way to Revelation, the Redeemer. He's blessing us from the city of Jerusalem. The final end of our journey to joy is all the blessings of eternal life. The new Jerusalem is going to come down from heaven, and we're going to be there with Jesus Christ, with God the Father, the Holy Spirit. His glory is going to fill the place. We're going to be there with all of God's people from every tribe, nation, tongue, and and people group. And we're going to be there for eternity in relationship with God. Is that amazing? In the very presence of God, without being burned up by His holiness, with our sins forgiven, our resurrected, glorified bodies, this is what we're living for. And this is where our our journey is going to end. So we ought to begin the new year, begin with the end in mind. As I read these two Psalms, I thought, you know what? The next time I teach through the Psalms of Ascent, I may teach these two Psalms first. Because if you remember, the very first Psalm of Ascent started with trials and troubles. Why? Because that's what we have in this life. But sometimes we need to begin with the end in mind. We need to be thinking, hey, this is where the journey's going to end. And therefore, all the trials, all the difficulties are worth it in between. So, the ultimate goal of our journey is all the blessings of eternal life. So, begin the year with the end in mind. If you take these two psalms, they really form two ideas that can be combined into one. Witness our unity as we worship His majesty on our journey to joy. That's what these two psalms are really about, and that's what I want to teach and what, really want to get in your heart and mind at the beginning of the new year. We ought to be able to say to people around us, look, look come to Glenwood, witness our unity As we worship His majesty on our journey to joy. And Psalm 133 is all about that. Witness our unity as His gathered people. That's what we'll look at today. And then two weeks. Worship His majesty in His glorious presence. Hey, I don't know what your plans are for the new year. But that's ultimately the goal of our lives. And they ought to be high priorities for you in this new year. So, as his people, right now, as we're gathered here today, as his people, we provide a preview of coming attractions. Let's reveal the unity of his coming by gathering together as his people. That's what we do. Uh, we're talking about getting up this morning. Yeah, it was hard for some of us to get up. It's cold. It's, you know, and then the snow comes, and Man, I don't want to get up. But you know why I want to get up? Because it reveals our unity of His coming. When we gather together, we say to people, hey, we have a God, and one day we're going to gather and we're going to worship Him for all of eternity. Therefore, each Sunday I come as a witness of that. But also, as we'll see in two weeks, let's reveal the majesty of His coming by worshiping, worshiping together in His glorious presence. If there's one thing we need to be reminded on a weekly basis, it's this. We're here to be in His presence as His people gathered together. And so that's what I want you to look at, and uh, that's what I want you to think about as we dive into Psalm 133. So that's kind of an overview, but let's take a look at Psalm 133. Psalm 133. So follow along in your Bibles, and let's take a look at this. Behold, look, pay attention, how good, just look how good it is, and look how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. In fact, it's like the precious oil upon the head, coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, coming down upon the edge of his robes. You know, you're going to say, I don't get that, but we'll figure out what that means. But look at verse 3. It's like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forever. So what I want you to see in this song is three ways. Three ways that our unity as God's gathered people, our unity as a local church here at Glenwood is a witness to what's coming in the future, a witness to the second coming of Christ. So here's the first thing that we see in this song. Okay, let's look at it. First thing is this. Our unity is a beautiful gift from the Lord that people deeply desire. Our unity is a beautiful gift from the Lord that people deeply desire. Boy, I'm telling you, is our country more divided than ever? And, and people are depressed, they're discouraged by that. Uh, you know, I get depressed and discouraged by that. But listen, we have something that our culture, our nation, our world desires, and that's our unity as God's gathered people. So look at verse 1. Look at verse 1 of Psalm 133. The main idea of, of this whole song, of these three verses, is found in verse 1 gathering together in unity is a beautiful gift from God. Notice what it says. For brothers to dwell together in unity. The first thing I want you to notice about this, and these are just kind of observations as we look at this verse. The first thing I want you to see is unity here is not based on blood, but belief. Belief in our promise-keeping God. When he's saying brothers, he's not talking about your blood family. He's talking about The belief in God that forms God's people. Now, this word for brothers is often used for uh, blood relations in a family, but also in the Old Testament, it's used for the family of God who are united together, not by blood, but by belief. Therefore, look, this is a unity that's not based on who your parents are, it's a unity that's not based on personalities. Look around the room. How many different? Look at your table. How many personalities you got? Look at your spouse, okay? If it was based on personality, we'd be in trouble. It's not based on preferences. Listen, when we come together as God's people, people have preferences on the color of carpet, the type of songs, the type of music, the type of preaching, the type of preacher, the type of clothes that, that people should wear. I mean, there's preferences galore just in this room. But listen, that's not what unites us. It's not based on preference. It's not based on politics, amen? Hey, the church was tested and tried. And I think a lot of churches and a lot of God's people probably failed on this in this last year, right? Politics has been divisive. But we don't unite based on Democrat or Republican, blue or red. We unite on our belief in our covenant-keeping God, amen? And hey, and when we come together in the new creation, Jesus isn't going to say, Republicans over here, Democrats over here, Independents right here. He's going to say, all who are for Jesus, all who are of Jesus come here. Amen? Amen. And listen, when you keep that in perspective, it helps these political things to calm down a little bit, all right? We need to be posting and on Facebook or tweeting. Whatever it is you do, we need to say more about Jesus than about our politics. Amen? Let the world talk about politics. I mean, you've got to engage it. Don't get me wrong. You need to vote. You need to know the issues. Believe me. But at the end of the day, we need to be no- more know, be known more for the one we believe in. Amen? Than the one we voted for. Right? So it's not based on politics, not based on people groups, same language, nationality, ethnicity. Uh, This is not what it is. Our unity is based on a faith commitment to the promise-keeping God, who is the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, that's just good. Now, this dwelling together idea, dwelling together is not just, hey, I think I'll hang out at church this morning. Okay, this word for dwelling together implies a faith commitment, all right? And let me just give you two Old Testament passages where this word is used, this dwelling together, and let me, let me hopefully give you a flavor for what it means and what is essential to our unity as a church. And 1 Chronicles 12.18 is a place where this is used. And in 1 Chronicles 12.18, David who was anointed king, and this is a Davidic psalm that we're looking at today. David was anointed king, and he was gathering around him his mighty men. He was gathering around his mighty men. And it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 18, Then the Spirit came upon Amasai, who was chief of the thirty, the chief, the leader of these mighty men. And here's what Amasai said to David. We are yours, O David, and with you, O son of Jesse. And that that phrase, and with you, is our word dwelling together. What he's saying is this, David, we're yours, and we're with you. We're committed to you. We're dedicated with you. In other words, David was looking at these guys and saying, Are you in or are you out? Are you for Saul or are you for me? Are you in or out? And and the leader of them stepped up and said, We're with you. We're committed. We're with you. We are yours, O David, and with you, O son of Jesse. Peace, peace to you, and peace to him who helps you. Indeed, your God helps you. What they're saying is, look, we're committed to you and to your God. And here's how David responds. Then it says this. Then David received them and made them captains. In other words, until they stepped up and said, We're committed. We're committed to you and to your God. Then David received them. That's a beautiful picture of church membership. The essence of membership is commitment. And the essence of our unity is that we're committed to our God and to one another. That's what it means to dwell together. It's not based on, eh, I feel like hanging out today. I feel like going to church today. I feel like going to here and then I'm going to go there and I'm going to bounce around from church to church, from gathering to gathering. No, it's saying, look, I'm a member and I'm committed to this group of people and to our God. Same thing we see in Ezra 4.3. Zerubbabel was gathering the people to build the temple, to rebuild the temple. They had come back from exile. The temple has been destroyed. And so they are going to rebuild this place where God's presence would dwell and God's people would worship. And so they're rebuilding. And and there was some uh, uh, unbelievers back in Jerusalem at that time because they had been in exile and the unbelievers had come and dwell in the land. And they wanted to be a part of this building project. And here's what Zerubbabel said. You have nothing in common with us in building a house to our God, but we ourselves will together, there's that idea, being together, will build to the Lord God of Israel. What's he saying? He's saying, look, there's outsiders and there's insiders. There are members and there are non-members. There are believers and there are unbelievers. And the difference is when you make a commitment a faith commitment not only to God but to one another as His gathered people. That's the essence. That's the essence of our unity. And so in the psalm of ascents, you picture here's all these different families with all different blood relations with all different preferences and, and all different personalities and they all come to the city of Jerusalem and, they, and they're coming there, though, not based on their preferences, not based on their personalities, not based on their parentage. They're coming to submit themselves to the one true God. And they say, look, isn't it, isn't it wonderful when God's people are committed to God and to one another? So, he says in verse 1, he says, look how good this is and look how pleasant it is. And so, again, just by way of observation, I want to say this. When he says, look how good unity is, he's saying good means there it's useful for its intended purpose. Okay? It's useful. In other words, our unity, God uses our unity to accomplish His purposes. When a church is divided, God's mission isn't accomplished. When a church is united, God's purposes are fulfilled. Have you ever been in a divided church? You have been in a church where there's division and disunity? You get in survival mode. You're not in missional mode. You're in survival mode. But when a church is united and all faces are looking up to the Lord and looking out to God, the lost people that we need to reach, man, I'm telling you, there's nothing. It's good. It's functional. Think about a remote control, Right? Who rules the remote control in your house and is willing to admit it? There you go. Okay, okay. And all the men raise their hands. All right. A remote control is good for changing channels. Am I right? But a remote control is not good for changing the tire. Okay, you get a flat and someone says, well, I got a remote control here. And what are you going to do? You're going to click at that thing? Is that tire going to change? No, because that's not its intended purpose. A remote control is good for changing channels. A remote control is not good for changing tires. Same thing with our unity. Our unity is good for God's purposes, but our disunity does not accomplish what God wants. And then he says, look how pleasant it is. It's not only useful, it's desirable Pleasant means attractive by its very nature. Desire. You just look at it and you want it. Okay? So it's like a good plate of burn-in barbecue. You see that and it's pleasant, Brandon. It's pleasant because it's attractive and desirable. By its very nature, you want to consume it. Right? Okay? Okay? Same thing with unity. As God's people, we ought to see a unified body of believers and say, man, I desire that. And I think that's the thing I want you to understand, is our unity is a witness to lost people who desperately want the unity that we have. If you really think about it, all these different political parties, all these different organizations, all these different movements are trying to achieve the unity that we have as the people of God in a greater way. So here, here's the, the two principles I want you to look at. Our unity is a beautiful gift. It's attractive. It's desirable. Here's two principles. First of all, our unity is a beautiful result. It's a beautiful result of the Lord's blessings poured out on us as his people. Unity among God's people is a beautiful gift that He gives. It's a result of Him calling us, choosing us, justifying us, sanctifying us. Unity is not something that we manufacture, it's something that God gives us. In fact, the word church, the word church in the New Testament means a called out assembly. A called out assembly. And it means that God has called us out from the world by the gospel so we could gather as one people in His his presence in one place. That's why we call this a local church. Because God, it's a beautiful gift. So when you look, and and, and I know we're ordinary and we're imperfect. Our unity is very ordinary. Our unity is imperfect. But it's still a gift from God. So when you think about coming to church, you make a commitment for 2017 that I'm going to be here every Sunday that I possibly can. We know there's vacations. We know there's sickness. we got some people out with sickness today. We get that. But the idea is God's given this gathering to us as a gift. Amen? And this is what we've been called to. It's really popular today for people to say, oh, I can be a Christian without going to church. Well, I guess you can, but you can't be a New Testament one. That's not what God called us to. He didn't call it us to isolation and staying at home and watching TV preachers or getting on the internet. You can get thousands of messages downloaded, but you can't have the unity of God's gathered people together of the Lord's. It's good when God's people come together. Second thing I want you to see is our unity is a beautiful revelation. It is a beautiful revelation of the Lord's blessings poured out for all peoples. Hey, as good as it is, as beautiful as it is to be gathered here this morning, it's meant for all people. We need to have a focus in 2017 like we should every year on inviting others, come, join the unified people at my church. You see, I I don't care what side you are on these matters. Both the alt-right and Black Lives Matter are hungry for unity that is just and fair and merciful, at least merciful to their kind of people. That's what they're gathering for. That's what they're hungering for. But only Jesus Christ is worthy and capable of providing that kind of unity to that many diverse people. It's something that we should proclaim. You know what? I belong to the people of God that gather at Glenwood. And we are unified. And you can be a part of that unity. I want to point you to that and proclaim it. It should be attractive. It should be desirable. So in verse 1, the first way we see that we can be a witness to what's coming in the future is by gathering here and making sure our unity is beautiful, useful, and desirable. Okay, that's the first way. The second way is this. The second way is this. Our unity is a bountiful gift. It's a bountiful gift from the Lord that people can never manufacture. Listen, our unity is not something we manufacture. It's something that God abundantly pours out to us by His Spirit. So, let's look at this. Uh, Again, I just want to give you some observations of the text before we dive into the principles. I want you to see there's two truths that are repeatedly emphasized in these three verses. The first is, we as God people go up to where God is comes down. Okay, so remember, this is the Psalms of Ascent. So we go up to where God has appointed, and there God comes down. Did you notice that three times in the Psalms it talks about coming down? Look at it. It says in verse 2, coming down on the beard. And also in verse 2, coming down upon the robes. And then in verse 3, coming down upon the mountains. It couldn't be any clearer. Unity is not something we manufacture and present to God. It's something that comes down. It's a gift from Him. And the second thing that's really emphasized in these three verses is when it comes down, it comes down in abundance. Okay? The two pictures of that is, first of all, the oil. I mean, uh, they would anoint Moses in the Old Testament on the law that God gave. He would anoint the high priest and pour oil on his head. Well, the way this is emphasized, it's like he took a bath in the oil. It's like just, you know, now we're like, ooh, you know, oil dripping on us. But you got to understand, they didn't have shampoo in those days, they didn't take baths in those days. Part of the way that they. Uh, made themselves pleasant to one another was they would put oil on themselves with which was very fragrant. It was like being uh, uh, drenched in perfume. Uh, we traveled to Ohio for Christmas and, and I, I have carried my polo uh, cologne in my aftershave kit all over this world but for some reason I go to open my aftershave kit when we get to Ohio and literally the top of my polo bottle was snapped off which meant, There was an overflowing abundance of polo. I mean, my toothbrush was saturated. I was like, I'm not using that. I mean, my socks were polo. I mean, everything. And and Amber, we stayed in one room. Amber stays in another. And she'd go, you know, I kind of walked out. And she goes, Dad, you're just, it's everywhere. It's just everywhere, because everything was overflowing with this abundance. And that's what he's saying here. Uh, Aaron's not just getting a few drops on his dead. It's flowing over his head, and, and the priest wasn't to shave his beard, so he's got this duck dynasty thing going on. And it's saturated with oils, and it's going down. And some interpreters are saying it's going all the way down. It's an abundance of God's blessing, and that picture's the Holy Spirit being poured out on God's people. And he doesn't just... Just pour out a few drops. He pours it out in abundance. And then you look at the dew that flowed from Mount Hermon. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But it's an abundant dew. It's just saturated. Listen, when God brings his blessings to his people, he does it with abundance, but it comes from him, not from us. So what's the point? Well, let's look at these principles. Our unity is a bountiful gift. In two ways. We go up to where God chooses to come down. We go up to where God chooses to come down by his sovereign and gracious choice. See, the whole thing about Aaron was, Aaron was God's chosen mediator in the Old Testament. So if you wanted to come before God, you had to go where God told you to go. And God said, go to Jerusalem, to my place. Listen, how we worship So here's a little extra. How and where we worship is not something we determine as consumers. It's something that God has decreed as our king. He has said, hey, here's how you worship, and you are to gather with God's people in a local place on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. This isn't optional. This isn't something we do because we feel like it or if we feel like it. This is something that we do because god's gonna meet with us amen now do we meet with him during the week yes 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 but we meet as god's people on the first day of the week because that's what god has appointed we go up where god comes down let me ask you how often do you pray for god to show up here at glenwood when you come how often is that a of your heart how often do you pray that during the week God, I'm expecting you to show up. God, I want you to show up. God, I want your spirit to be made manifest in our midst. And I'm not talking about, you know, people are slain in the spirit and we're raising the dead every Sunday. No, it's going to be very ordinary, but it can be supernatural and life-changing at the same time. Amen? This very ordinary and imperfect church has been used of God to change many of your lives. But it happened because there were God's people saying, "Lord, we want you to come down." That's revival, okay? That's revival. So God chooses to come down through His in His appointed place through His appointed people. Listen, the new in the New Testament. So let's move to the New Testament. The unity of God's people is the result of the Holy Spirit coming down from God to indwell us as his called out people. Turn your Bible to 4. I want you to look at this. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. My dear wife, would you go get me a bottle of water? I am dying up here. Thank you. So let's look at Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. Remember, Unity is the result of God coming down. Notice what it says. He says, "Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, walk in a manner worthy of the call who have been called, with all humility and gentleness. This is how you maintain unity with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Please look. We aren't to manufacture unity. We're to maintain the unity that God has already created. Are you seeing that? And just as a reminder, here's where our unity is based on. It's not based on the color of the carpet, the types of chairs, the sound system or the music, the preacher or even the type of preaching. It's based on this. There is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Listen, unity is not about us. It's about Him, and it's a gift from Him. Second thing I want you to see. God graciously chooses to pour out his blessings in overflowing abundance. God graciously chooses to pour out his blessings in overflowing abundance. I've already talked to you a little bit about how Aaron's oil shows that abundance. The oil represents the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament and just as we saw in the New Testament, our unity is a gift is a gift of the Holy Spirit. But what we're supposed to see here is God, listen, God provides for us abundantly. He gives abundant grace to maintain unity. You say, yeah, but that guy's hard to get along with. That lady gets on my nerves. In fact, you know, sometimes my toes get stepped on. I step on it. You know what? God's got abundant oil. It's flowing down Aaron's beard. It's the abundance of the Holy Spirit and we can maintain the unity that we have. But I want to talk to you about the dew of Hermon. Uh, I want to talk to you about mountain dew. I like mountain dew. I like mountain dew. This is all uh, do you see what I did there Jeremy? It was good. It was good. I waited all week to say that. Mountain dew. This is all picture of mountain dew. Because here's the idea. Jim, did you like that one? Are you yeah, yeah, tweet that out, would you? Mountain dew. <laughs> Here's what it's all about. He's saying Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon was the highest mountain in that area. It was in the farthest northeast corner, even outside the boundaries of Israel. So way up in the northeast, and Mount Zion is way down here in the south, okay? So there's this long distance, kind of like from the top of Aaron's head to the bottom of his feet. There's this long distance, right? And this really high mountain, over 9,000 feet, when Amber and I, we went hiking last year, we were up 7,000, I mean, it's up there, it is up there. And it's snow-capped, which you know in that area of the world, water and moisture is very important. So here's this high mountain with snow on it all the time, and consequently, I'm no weather man, so I can't explain you how this works, but that scenario in that part of the world creates a tremendous amount of dew every morning which is how a mountain gets water think about it water doesn't flow up and if you don't have a lot of rain where's the moisture coming from it comes from the dew so when you read the old testament it's always talking about the dew of heaven the dew of heaven because you go to bed and you wake up and things are saturated it's not like our dew that's like oh my feet are wet no it's like it's drenching it's like it had rained okay But down in Mount Zion, down where Jerusalem's located, it's dry, it's arid. And what he's saying is this. The dew of Hermon was... Mount Hermon was famous for this abundant dew. And he's saying, look, when God's people gather together in unity, it's like the dew of Hermon has poured on the mountains of Zion. And you say... Does that mean everybody's wet? No, no. Do means refreshment. Do means life-giving. Do means I can live another day. And so here's the thing. When God's people gather in Mount Zion, under the lordship of Jesus Christ, or under the lordship of uh, of Yahweh at that time, the covenant-keeping God, when they gather in unity, it's abundant refreshment. It's abundant life. It's life-giving. And so here's the idea of Mountain Dew. God's blessings poured out on His united people is life-giving. It will be refreshment to the tired. It will rebuild the weak. It will repair the broken. And it will restore the sinful. That's what our unity can do. Amen? Is unity important? Are you getting the message today? Our unity is beautiful and it's bountiful. But here's the third thing I want you to get from this passage. The third way our unity is a witness to His second coming and our future in the new Jerusalem. Our unity is a blessed gift from the Lord that people desperately need. It's a blessed gift. From the Lord that people desperately need. So let's look at that. Two principles I want, to, I want to see. It's a blessed gift that's graciously given through God's chosen high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the whole idea of Aaron here. Why do he pick out Aaron? Because Aaron, in the Old Testament, Aaron was the mediator for God's people. But he was a promise and a picture of a greater high priest to come. And so, as the oil poured down on God's elect chosen mediator, it was a picture that one day, the real high priest, God himself, Jesus Christ, will be the high priest that will come down from heaven. And when he comes down full of the Holy Spirit, he will be the mediator of God's Blessing. So the promise is in the Old Testament. The fulfillment is in the costly anointing of Jesus that happened before his crucifixion and his appointment as our high priest after his resurrection and our ascension. So I just gave you some passage there. Jesus was anointed with abundant oil before his crucifixion. Remember when Mary came? And she took the costly perfume and she took the whole bottle, broke it open and poured it on him from the head to it. I mean, just, and it filled the room and the, the unbelieving disciples, especially Judas, who was actually an unbeliever said, why this waste? And Jesus said, back off, back off. She's anointing me for my burial before it happened. They were clueless. But the high priest was getting anointed with abundant oil. Then, at his crucifixion, Jesus is our chosen mediator. And then after his resurrection, he ascends to the right hand of God. And in Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 9, he is the high priest there. And listen, if you want God's blessing, if you want to be united, you've got to go to God's person. And and, and, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the only way to find unity that the world is looking for so it comes through one person for all people here's the second principle this blessed gift of unity is graciously given with all the blessings of eternal life it's given with it's through the son it's through the elect person but it's given with all the blessings of eternal life look how psalm 133 ends look how it ends He says, for there, for there the Lord commanded the blessing. And you know what the blessing is? It's an eternal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, with His people in His place. That's it. in His chosen place, the mountains of Zion. You know... There's a whole theology of mountains. Do you realize Jesus was crucified where? Mount Calvary. Jesus ascended from where? The Mount of Olives. Where will Jesus descend? The Mount of Olives. These are the mountains of Zion. And that's where blessings come. So here's what I want to end with. I want you to realize this. And it's in your notes. Our unity is a divine blessing, blessing not to be taken for granted, But one to be grateful for and guarded while encouraging others to participate in it. So here's my challenge for you. Let's begin this new year inviting others to witness our unity as God's gathered people. To do that, you've got to be here. Secondly, you've got to be here for the right reasons. Third, you've got to be inviting people to be a part of that. So here's what I want you to do. I hope you leave today giving thanks for what God has united in our body. Amen? We've got what the world wants, and we have it in the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, would you guard our unity this year? Guard it against division? Guard and make the main thing the main thing and give the minor things to the Lord? And then would you encourage others to join us? Isn't this good? This is beautiful. This is what we're headed for. Now, you got to realize, right now, you're saying, like, eternity? This is eternity? No, we're going to have glorified bodies. We're going to be sinless. It's so much more. But you know what? It's sweet. You know, we, 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 uh, we traveled, minister uh, attended church while we are gone. But it's not like being with our church not like being with our people you know what i mean it's sweet it's beautiful unity how blessed it is how pleasant how good let's go to the lord in prayer father it's so easy to take for granted uh, when you've provided godly leaders who teach the word of god consistently when you've brought people who love one another it's easy to take for granted the gift of a local church but we want to say thank you lord thank you for the unity and we pray that we will maintain the gift of that unity and we pray lord that we will use that unity and leverage that unity for fulfilling your mission in the coming year and father i pray we would invite friends neighbors family to take part in the useful and desirable unity of this local church. Father, you have abundantly blessed us through our high priest the Lord Jesus Christ. Your grace is flowing like the mountain dew of Hermon. Your grace is flowing like the oil. Of spirit. And God, may we give thanks that we stand in the grace of the gift of unity as your gathered people. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. That's our unity.